Hello, everybody. Pull up a chair. Gonna have a quick health update. Let you know how I'm doing and uh, answer your questions. So I'm gonna turn it over to Cousin Chloe and let's say hello to Cousin Chloe right now. Hello, Tom. Hey, Chloe, how you doing? I am doing well, but I think the, the more important question today, Tom, is, you know, how, how are you feeling right now? You know, I'm, I'm feeling great. Um, you know, today specifically, um, slept well last night, woke up in a good mood. A little sad because uh, Alex, um, my son-in-law, uh, had to go back to Baltimore for work. Um, but, uh, but really having a good day. Um, up at a good time, uh, energized, ate some food, and uh, uh, really, really feeling uh, good. I think, I, you know, if, it, if it's warm enough, I, I think today's a good day to go for a walk. That's a wonderful thing. And I know that you guys did, uh, you and your family did some, some great photos outside yesterday. How, how, uh, like some great family photos. Yeah. How, how was that? How did that go? And how, how even have the last couple of days overall been health wise for you? Yeah. Um, you know, it was a riot. I actually, uh, was the one who suggested, uh, that we, that we do some family portraits while everybody's in town. And my motivation was actually, uh, that my hair has been falling out, uh, more and more. And I wanted to get some pictures while I still had, uh, hair, um, I have been, uh, my strategy was initially driven by COVID. So I just stopped getting haircuts because of COVID. And then, um, after I got my diagnosis in July, uh, I had this ha- this thought that if, uh, chemo is going to eventually make my hair fall out, that I wanted to give it as much trouble as possible. So, um, <laughs> my hair is like almost shoulder length and back and, uh, and, and is as super full as always. So, uh, yesterday we got, uh, together with a, a, a good friend of ours, Jack Haddendorf, who's a fantastic photographer. And he uh, took some fantastic pictures. We did a bunch of different poses and, and uh, you know, different uh, family, you know, subsets, the kids and, and uh, just me and the kids and all of us together. And uh, it was just fantastic. Uh, the pictures turned out great. Uh, I, I survived. It ended up, we picked a cold day, unfortunately. Uh, it was only in like 35 degrees. So if you look at the pictures, um, you can actually see uh, uh, the progression because uh, I was pretty warm when we started. And then as the, the poses went on, <laughs> you can see in my face that I'm getting colder and colder and like sitting on my hands in some of the pictures and stuff because uh, my hands were literally numb. Uh, but it was, I think there was, it was so great. I think there was an even strategic uh, wife holding your hand yes. that could be, could be interpreted either as romance or uh, helping keep the body temperature up. Yeah. One of my friends sent a note and said, Oh, that's so sweet. Mary's holding your hands. And I said, well, Mary's warming my hands and, and that in <laughs> itself was sweet, but yeah, uh, no, it was great. And, uh, uh, we tried to share those pictures, uh, with people and put them up in a few places, but, uh, you know, it was just, it was great. It, it actually was, um, it was a feeling of normalcy, 
um, you know, I remember doing family portraits, you know, with my family and it would always be around the holidays and, and mom would force us to get dressed up and, and brush our hair and all that stuff to go take a picture. And, uh, so I, so I really do have that sense of like a lot of, we have a lot of pictures from over the years that were taken around the holidays, you know, as posed pictures, either with Santa or just family shots. And so just the utter normalcy of getting together and taking these uh, family portraits really felt good. Um, you know, I, I love just about any opportunity where I can forget that I have cancer for a while and just enjoy doing whatever it is that we're doing. And, and this happened to be one of those. That's amazing. And there were a couple where you looked like, uh, inadvertently looked like Jim Carrey. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what that reference is. Uh, I, I, I don't see it, but um, I, I, those have also been referenced as the badass pictures. Um, <laughs> I realized that um, I can't, it's one thing in family pictures to have a big smile on my face all the time. Um, but I, it was also, since Jack was with us, I, I thought I'd get some pictures for uh, the F Cancer website and some of the things. And um it's always a little incongruous when you're doing a website about cancer and the main character, the patient, is sitting there with this giant smile on his face and flashing thumbs up uh, signals to the to the camera. Um, yes. And uh, so that uh, I had to actually take some, you know, remember, don't smile, just look serious on these. And I, I think I went from looking serious to looking badass or pissed off or something like that. Uh, but they're fun. <laughs> And evidently, Jim Carrey is borderline I guess badass so. and pissed I, off. I, I, I guess, guess so. so. We'll, uh, we'll be sure to get you guys some uh, of those badass photos up on the F Cancer website along with this post. So look out for that. Yeah. Um, and now, Tom, can you give us so? Uh, I, I know we want to touch on numbers, too. That's definitely not the first thing that we like to lead with. We definitely yeah. like to lead with the feelings and how you're feeling. But yeah, but yeah definitely give us some context about where your where your number's at. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. Um my mom had a great saying, um, and, and I really took it to heart um, whenever we would be uh, talking about her numbers. Um, and in her case, uh, it was a, a blood test called the CA-125, uh, which is a blood marker for uh, ovarian cancer. And uh, the equivalent marker in my world is the CA-19. And, uh, and my mom would, uh, my mom would say anytime that we got good numbers and the family was kind of bopping messages around or calling each other, she'd say, just to be clear, that measures the health of my cancer. It has nothing to do with me. Um, and I took that to heart at the time. Um, and I thought it was a powerful statement, but now living it as the patient, I have so much more of an appreciation um, for what that means. And so I love when my numbers are going the right direction, which, by the way, is down. <laughs> Lower numbers are better in, in that world. Um, but at the same time, it has very little to do with um, the the day-to-day -day experience. You know, you asked how I'm feeling. You know, that's what my energy levels are. Did I sleep well? Am I in pain? Um, and those are sometimes correlated with um, your, your uh, blood markers and sometimes not. And even if they are or not, um, I hate if it's made too much of a focus because, again, that's talking about my cancer and it's not actually talking about me. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine talking about the numbers and looking at the numbers and sometimes even celebrating the numbers, um, but keep them in context. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great thing to keep in mind because I think I'm sure a lot of people listening right now 
can, can easily maybe get hung up or focused on that. And so to maybe just even let people know, Hey, you know, it's more about what I'm feeling, you know, yeah. and yes, it's good that we keep, keep an eye on these numbers. Obviously the numbers are very important, but, but the feelings are also very important. So it's very abstract. I mean, there's only a couple of things in your life where a number really translates to a feeling for you. Um, if you have a fever, like, you know what a fever feels like, right? But if you said yeah. you lost two pounds, what does that feel like? doesn't feel like anything, right? If you didn't have a scale, you wouldn't know um, that you did or didn't. In my world, how much weight I'm gaining or losing is actually one of the most important things. Um, so when I talk about numbers, there's the how's my cancer doing? Um, but a number that's really relevant to my health and is really about me is my weight. Um, because I would say the, the absolute lowest point that I ever hit, uh, during, um, you know, since I've been diagnosed, uh, was actually driven by, uh, a bunch of weight loss very quickly. And my, um, basic numbers got all out of whack. So my sodium levels mm -hmm. and my sugar levels and, uh, uh, all those basic things that just make the machine that is our brain and heart and everything work. My potassium levels, my, I mean, like everything was so out of whack that, um, I was actually like hallucinating and just had all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Um, now, Technically, that was influenced by the fact that I had cancer and the cancer was causing some of the problems that I was having in my liver and, and, and with the organs. And it was part of my weight loss. Um, but really, the weight loss and the change in diet and the, and the lack of nutrition input um, is what caused it, not hmm. cancer purely. And um, so while it's incredibly frustrating to focus on my weight because... I hate it and I hate getting reminded that I need to gain weight and I hate getting reminded that I need to eat every day because I'm just not hungry. Important it is. And so, um, so I really try and eat and I, uh, and I obsessively watch that, uh, that number, uh, which is how much I weigh. Because uh, if it gets down too low, I know bad shit's going to happen. And, and Tom, where are, where are both those numbers? Where are your CA-19 right now? And where's your weight at right now? And comparatively too, because I mean, I think, you know, people, uh, some people on this call won't know, uh, you know, where you started. So, yeah, well, the CA-19, you know, that's the, that's the blood marker for, uh, for pancreatic cancer specifically. And, uh, uh, if anybody is, is particularly you know, really curious, it stands for carbohydrate antigen 19.9. Um, and so we just shorten it to CA19. A similar marker for my mom for ovarian cancer was CA125. Uh, and if there, maybe we'll have a doctor on to explain the details of that if, if people submit questions. But basically, you can say a lower number is better. And so uh, a normal um, CA19 for pancreatic cancer would be a score of 35 or below. Um, because everybody has some amount of cancer floating around in them all the time. It's just normally our immune system handles it and takes care of it. So below 35 would be normal. Um, when I was very first diagnosed in the emergency room on July 3rd, when I got that, my CA-19 was 765, I want to say. It was in the 700s. Um, and so 
that just blew my mind because I was like, wait, 35 is normal and I'm at 700. That freaked me out. Um, and, uh, and that led to some of the conversations about like how bad off am I really? And, uh, and the answer to that was, was, uh, pretty scary. Um, basically if treatment, if I didn't go through treatment or if treatment wasn't effective, um, I, I should probably enroll in hospice at that point, which would mean I'd have less than six months. So, so that scared the shit out of me. Um, and 700 compared to 35 seemed like all the numbers in the universe between those two. Um, it just seemed like such a big gap. So I was really surprised a few weeks later when I went to start chemo. Um, you remember I had a short little vacation with the family. We went to Lake Geneva. And when I went in for my first uh, round of chemo, they took a blood test right before, and my CA-19 was 16,554. Oh, oh, my God. And my daughter, who's actually studying um, genetic counseling and has, has got a master's degree from Johns Hopkins or Will in a couple of weeks, um, she actually said, no, 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 there must be a typo or something. It must mean 16,000. There's no way you could have gone from 700 to 16,000. It must mean 1,600. And I went back and actually got the, the, the reports, and it was 16,000. So if 700 seemed like a scary number, 16,000 was insane, and, um, and I was feeling terrible, too, uh, at the time. So uh, I told you there's two things that matter in chemo. Uh, is it effective, and are you tolerating it? So is it effective is measured by does that number flatten, meaning it's stopping it from growing? Does it decrease so it's actually not growing as much as it was before uh, or does it actually decrease significantly which would imply that not only is it not growing but it's actually shrinking and you really don't know for sure where you are on that spectrum but after the first month which was two chemo cycles we went back and did the blood test again and I was down from 16,000 to 500 or 5,000 um, so like a two-thirds drop um, in my numbers. And that was the first time that got everybody's attention because that was a big drop. Now, remember, I had still gone from 700 to 16,000 in like a month. So um, uh, I had not dropped as fast as I had gone up previously. Uh, but then we started doing the test every two weeks instead of every month. And I went down from 5,000 to, I want to say, 2000 and then I went from 2000 to 900 and then I went from 900 to 300 uh, and then we have had a COVID scare in the house uh, Mary had been exposed to somebody who had tested positive and so they canceled my chemo because a they didn't know if I was if I had just been exposed or um, you know if we we if I actually had it um, so we took two weeks off and then went back, and um, everybody was really interested in seeing what the numbers would do uh, because we had made so much progress at that point. Um, and we had gotten down from, you know, 16,000 to uh, 900 or something like that. Uh, then from 900 to 300, it was going down by like two-thirds each time, um, but now we had taken a couple weeks off. So... I didn't really share it with anybody, but privately I was rooting for a number in the 400s. Um, I thought it would go not flat, but actually go up a little bit, but it's still working. We'd kick its ass back down again into the double digits, 
hopefully, um, you know, at some point once I got a couple more chemo rounds under my belt. And um, the, the test came back and I was actually at uh, 93. And so it hadn't slowed down. And in fact, it was continuing to be about that two thirds plus uh, drop, right? From 300 to less than 100, you know. Um, and, uh, and now we were in spitting distance. If it followed that same trajectory, do the math, I'm under 35 at my next one. So, um, so that, that was, um, really, really mind blowing. And, um, to me and to the, uh, the oncologists, um, uh, both because I told you there are two things that are important. A, uh, is the treatment effective? Clearly going from 16,000 to, to 90, um, is, is showing that it's effective. Um, but the second one is equally important, which is, can you tolerate it? Because if it's effective, but you're the beating you're taking physically is too much. You're just going to stop. Um, and everybody stops at some point. So you know, what's going to happen. It's not a question of be brave or be strong or any of those things. It's going to happen, uh, but it's not going to happen today. Um, and, and so that kind of becomes the, the mantra. Um, and so, so now I'm like, well, what does happen now? Um, and I've had real conversations um, with my oncologist uh, about that. You know, what are what are the implications? Because these numbers are lower than anything they prepared me for, and they are now telling me fairly candidly, like you've had you're tolerating this better than um, almost any patient I've seen before, and your numbers are going down. Um, as good or better than I've ever seen before. And, you know, that's wonderful news. Um, but it doesn't actually change the prognosis. It gives me more flexibility and it gives me more quality of life. Um, but ultimately for, for the people who are wondering, does that mean that if I get below 35, I get to stop taking chemo or I'm technically cured or something like that? Uh, unfortunately, the answer is no. Um, but it does mean that I'm probably feeling pretty good and I probably got more time than I thought I did. And right now that's the game. And I feel like I probably speak for the audience or probably everybody listening when I say that, that it doesn't, it doesn't feel good to hear that. Meaning it does feel good, but it, it's also hard to hear that, um, that it doesn't mean that it's stopped either, you know, that it's, uh, yeah. it's not reversed. It's, I think it's probably the most common question that I get is after somebody reads uh, an update or after I, I tell them about it, they say, um, oh, that's great. So when do you get to stop? Um, and um, I think the, I think one of the hardest things that I had to deal with was the answer to that question um, because I didn't know the answer to that question when I started this. Um, and uh, they answered in a way that... Um, was both very honest and very unsettling at the same time, which was you're never going to stop. Like chemo is going to be part of your life until either a, it stops being effective or B you can't tolerate it anymore. And so I keep going back to those two things because they're everything. And as long as I'm tolerating it, as long as it's effective, then I still am able to do stuff. Um, but if one of those things changes, um, you know, that's when we have to figure out other plans. And, uh, 
Uh, I think the second hardest thing I ever heard after you will always be in chemo for the rest of your life, more or less, uh, which was not easy. Um, the, uh, the other thing that was equally hard, and I still haven't fully processed it, is no matter how effective any chemo is, it degrades over time and eventually will become completely ineffective. And ironically, I knew this already. Um, I knew this from my mom. I knew this because I'd had that exact conversation with her oncologist. And I saw firsthand that the chemo she used for six months made her completely clean. She actually could get to a point because she had surgery and then uh, chemo follow-up. So she got to a point where she was declared cancer-free for almost 18 months. Um, she still got that CA19 or CA125 blood test all the time, and we still watched it religiously. And in fact, it was what told us that the cancer was back. Um, but what it also told us is they started my mom on the same chemo that had worked so well in the previous round. And this round, it barely worked at all. So it didn't have the impact on the numbers. And then after three or four months, it didn't have any impact on the numbers. Um, and they just weren't moving at all. And that's when we switched and we tried a different one. And um, the thing about chemo is like each one of them comes with its own set of complications and risk factors and side effects. Uh, and just because you were fine with one doesn't mean you're going to be able to handle the other. It just, you know, you take it as it comes. So uh, it was ironic to me because I had completely forgotten that lesson until my oncologist told me and I was like, oh, damn, that's right. Like I can't just say, you know, like... A diabetes patient starts taking insulin, insulin works, you know, and you don't then say, well, insulin works for a while and then it'll completely stop working and you'll be screwed until we can find some alternative to insulin. And, um, and so that's literally the, the world I'm in. So I'm, I'm rooting for, you know, it's, it's why both numbers matter. Um, I like that you asked me first how I'm feeling, cause that's definitely more important to me than, than what my numbers are. But, um, the numbers are right behind because those, not for the sake of the numbers, but because of what they mean about the effectiveness of the chemo. Sure. And uh, what about, uh, and, and, where, and where's your where's your weight at and what have you been finding that you like to eat? What oh. is the thing that, I know you said your appetite's been, you know, been real down, but what, is there anything that you, you look forward to still? Yes. And it changes um, fairly regularly now. Um, I seem to go into phases where I have a particular restaurant or a particular type of food or something that, that just breaks through. And as soon as I hear it or think about it, I get hungry. My mouth salivates like I get really excited. And when the food arrives, I eat like a glutton. Um, and, uh, over time, let's see, the first thing I discovered was Eggo blueberry waffles, um, <laughs> was, I don't know why, but it was like having a big tall glass of orange juice, Eggo waffles. And, um, and I could eat those two or three times a day. Only, and, only the finest Tom. Only yes, the finest. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> And I didn't want any. I didn't want any, any different waffles, and and we we made them by scratch from scratch a couple of times, and those are wonderful. But it's just so easy. Pull them out of the freezer and pop them in the toaster oven, and I'm eating. You know, two minutes later, and they're fantastic. And I know exactly. And it and it takes me back to childhood because I love those, and I love Aunt Jemima butter rich syrup or whatever it is. And my nutritionist is so focused on me gaining weight that instead of saying anything about the health implications, it's all just about calories for me right now and putting on weight. So 
like when I told her that I like waffles, her recommendation was put whipped cream on them. I'm not joking. And when I told her I liked to drink those Ensure, uh, not Ensure brand, but, you know, those power protein type shake things, she said, um, consider mixing them half and half with ice cream. So um, <laughs> so I have the best nutritionist in the world. Like That's... everybody wants my diet. Um, because How did it's... you luck out with that? I know. How did you get so lucky? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> See, silver lining. Like, yeah, you got to get cancer, but I mean, hell, I get to eat anything. So, um, and then eat more of stuff I like. So like, and now I have absolutely no guilt ordering Portillo's and getting two large fries. And I always wanted to get two large fries because I love their fries, but it was just so gluttonous. And like, you know, my family would just look at me like I was crazy. Now they're like, do you want three? Like, can we get you an extra sandwich while we're at it? And, um, so so I, I, I actually have fun kind of with the ordering. Um, but then all things change. And like I probably after three months of eating blueberry waffles almost every day and sometimes for multiple meals. And I still have, if I'm going to have a go-to snack at two in the morning, it's almost always blueberry waffles. Um, nice. But my, and then I went through a Middle Eastern phase where I was eating uh, shawarma and shish kebab and stuff like that. And you know, again, the alternative is like they'd put a sandwich in front of me or, or food and I'd kind of pick at it. I might eat half a sandwich. I'd eat something and then it just, it would just sit there and I would try and nibble. But if you're not hungry and your brain is kind of disconnected and you really don't feel hungry, try and eat sometime when you don't feel hungry. Try and imagine eating when you feel full, like you don't do it. It's not possible. And some of it was physical because I, have been constipated on and off and mostly on since July and not to be too graphic about it, but when you're filled up and constipated that, you know, your stomach knows that. And it's basically don't put more food in me. There's nowhere for it to go. Um, and, and so it's not just like something mental that you can think your way through. It's also in some cases physical and you can't really tell them apart. It just means you're not hungry or the idea of eating is not pleasant to you. Um, but then when I find that magic meal that I'm really in the mood for, instead of eating a half of a sandwich and kind of picking at it, I would all of a sudden devour an entire combo platter that had chicken kebabs and steak and uh, shawarma and something else and eat all the rice and eat, uh, you know, a falafel or something like that. And it was, um, so then we would get that like, once or twice a week and all of a sudden I'd gain two or three pounds literally. And I could name the restaurant that that's the reason. Um, and so we go thank, through rotations thank, of that. Thank you. Portillo's. Yes. Thank you, Portillo's. Portillo's is a good one. Um, my current one is PF Chang's mm-hmm. last night. I ate an entire shrimp Kung Pao shrimp and an entire Kung Pao chicken. Each of those is a full meal. Um, it took me like four hours. I ate one and then I ate a separate one later. Um, that's more food than I've eaten in, in the previous three days combined probably. Um, but that was so in my head of like, that's what I wanted. And by the way, I also had a ton of crispy green beans and, uh, you know, the spicy crispy green beans. And I also had some lettuce wraps. If I had also ordered spring rolls, I would have had a couple of those. You know, I mean, it's just so. Um, we don't we don't discriminate. Here. No, no. So I just I found that the only way to break through the fact that my brain has like disconnected hunger as a thing that it wants to engage in is to approach it entirely from the taste perspective, like not 
uh, oh, I like this food or, oh, I should have a salad or, oh, I mean, like none of that. It's just purely if saying the food makes you almost salivate instantly, like gives you that, oh yeah, that's what I'm getting, you know, when you have it, then that's, then I know I'm going to eat well. And, uh, um, so I'm just trying to balance because those tend to be either more expensive or more difficult to get. I tend to order a lot of it because I do finish everything. Um, and so we try not to do it all the time. Um, uh, plus what I'm craving isn't necessarily what anybody else in the family wants. So, um, I try and balance it with them too. But, uh, last night was a PF Chang's night and quite honestly, I think it's part of the reason that I feel so good today is I, I probably had 3000 calories of dinner last night. And so now between the 3000 calories of last night, plus ice cream, plus two bags of fries, plus blueberry egos, where, where are you at right now with your, your, oh, my actual weight, good place. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not in a great place. It's not in a terrible place. Um, I'm, I'm lower than I should be. I had, I had, I, and I don't even know if I want to say specific numbers cause it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm so, I'm so thin right now, but, um, uh, I'll get myself past it and I don't know if I'll do it today or not, but let's say I have been as much as five or six pounds heavier than I am right now. And I felt better when I was. And when we had the COVID scare, uh, two things happened. One, I skipped a chemo, but also my wife basically was quarantined in our bedroom for seven days, seven or eight days before we were able to get her a test and get the results back. And, um, she's the main one who kind of makes sure that I'm eating. And I was more worried about her, um, during that time, because, you know, if she had COVID, believe it or not, like that could quickly turn into, she's sicker than I am. And that was the last thing I wanted. Obviously I don't want to get COVID for, for many reasons, not the least of which it'll probably end this, uh, F cancer experiment a lot sooner than, uh, than we intended to. Um, but, the uh, the truth was I probably didn't eat more than one meal a day and and that was a really light meal for that whole week that she was that she was uh, in quarantine. And when she came out of it, it wasn't that we never saw each other, but we'd only seen each other through masks and stuff for for a week. And she just looked at me when she got the negative test results and she's like, holy shit, you lost weight while I've been upstairs. And so we went on a binge and tried to, for a week or so, just overeat. And uh, so I'm getting back. Um, I think I'm three or four pounds off what I'd like to be right now. And I'm probably still eight or nine pounds above where I was when all hell broke loose over the summer. So I'm just trying to get myself up to the higher end of that. And, uh, and then I'll tell you the real number. <laughs> and uh, It's so and weird now, to be this skinny at, at age 54. Hey, hashtag no judgment, no judgment on this show. Yeah. No judgment on this end of the show. I know, it's um, anything, uh, anything upcoming, uh, what, any, any tests or any, anything we've got coming up? I think you mentioned a CT scan. Yeah. Uh, hopefully soon. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I am, uh, supposed to have a CT scan, uh, as soon as we can get it scheduled. We had some, some challenges over the holidays. Um, and, uh, plus at this time of year, everybody's trying to get stuff done, uh, before their deductibles reset in January. So scheduling is always tough in the fourth quarter. Um, but, uh, we're going to get a full, uh, CT scan done, uh, as soon as we can. Not really an urgent thing, more of a curiosity. Um, it's unlikely that it will change 
any part of my treatment because A, it's working effectively and B, I'm tolerating it. I'm going to stop saying that now. I think everybody's got that in their heads, but um, it's working. So leave it alone. Um, and uh, But this will give us a chance to actually measure uh, the tumors. So I have measurements from previous CAT scans that say, you know, this tumor in his liver is 4.3 centimeters and this one is, you know, and there are 12 of these or whatever it is. Um, so they'll actually be able to count the number of tumors, see if they're growing or shrinking, see some specific ones that they have, uh, you know, on the, like the previous CT scans that they can compare it to. And um, I guess what I would say is it is unlikely to change anything unless it changes everything. And what I mean by that is this would be the confirmation. So if we said um, we're looking for some kind of miracle, whether a spiritual miracle or a medical miracle or, or however you define with whatever your faith is, what a miracle looks like. For me, what a miracle looks like is some kind of change in the base. So um, my cancer just goes away. It would be just a change in the base uh, reality that I'm dealing with. It can happen. It happens. Um, um, again, whatever your faith is or, or, or however you define uh, a miracle or however you process it, it does happen. Um, so this would, be, this would be a chance to see um, potentially a miracle, and it could be uh, utter you know, disappearance of, of one or more of the cancers, because remember I have it in the pancreas and the liver. Uh, it could be um, uh, something shrinking to a point where maybe other options do become possible. Um, but for the most part, it's let's get a visual on what's actually going on inside of there. And that will give us even more flexibility. So if in addition to the CI number, CA 19 numbers going way down, they also see the tumor tumors have shrunk way down. Uh, then I may be able to request or to take a month off of chemo instead of, uh, push it back just two weeks. Um, hell, I might be able to take a couple months off and, and actually, you know, go to Florida and sit on a beach or something. Um, you know, we'll, we'll always be watching, um, the CA-19, uh, to see if something's coming back. Um, but you know, that doesn't sound horrible to me. Um, because again, the, the first one, which is the quality of life is, uh, is, is everything. And it's what lets you keep getting up and, and doing stuff every day. So kind of long answer to an easy question, but uh, I wouldn't, you are I talking wouldn't say to Tom. It, I wouldn't say it's an easy question. <laughs> yeah, that's And I true. would, I would say, I'd like to say that I'm firmly in camp miracle. So me too. I be, I'm right, I'm right there with you. Um, I want to just uh, give you one question that we have from our audience um, before we wrap up here, uh, which is, you know, there's definitely been, you know, multiple, multiple people asking, you know, is it really okay for me to call you, you know, you, Tom, uh, people, I think have a sense that, you know, they don't want to bother you that, you know, they could be interrupting you and your family that you might be resting or, you know, just trying to relax. Uh, so what, what would you say to, uh, you know, the question, is it really okay for people to reach out to you? I'm, I'm, I'm actually really glad that you got that question. Um, please reach out to me. I, I, I guess I don't know how, how else to say it. Um, I'm a big boy. If I am not feeling well, 
you're not going to be able to bother me. Uh, my phone is going to be in a different room and it's going to be turned off, not just on mute. You know, I'm going to be curled up in bed and I'm not going to hear if a tree falls down in the backyard. So um, I, I think what's far more likely to happen than you bother me is you put a smile on my face because I think of you and and memories get brought back or whatever it is and and I don't care if the note just says hey I was thinking about you just wanted to say hello um for me uh, I don't want to say people in my position or situation because I can't speak for other cancer patients but for me that brings a smile to my face every single time um, and you don't have to know what to say and you don't, there is no perfect thing to say. Uh, I don't know what to fucking say to another patient who has cancer other than, Hey, right there with you, you know? So, so I'm, I, you know, have that special superpower right now. But I mean, other than that, it's difficult, but I would just say, please don't miss the opportunity to reach out because it feels awkward or you don't know what to say. Um, at this point, trust me, I know what to say. So, just reaching out lets me know that you were thinking about me and I'll reach out back and I promise not to make it awkward because the truth is uh, I just love catching up with people. And um, and if you are thinking about me, then um, please let me know so, so I can try and reach out because um, I always feel good on days when I'm in touch with people. And some days that's just a thousand text messages. And some days it's a two hour phone call with somebody I haven't talked to in a while. And, uh, again, I can promise you that in never once since July have I thought, Oh, that's such a bother or, Oh, why is that person sending me messages every day? Um, that is not a challenge for somebody to see if they can annoy me. Um, <laughs> Steve and Stuart, I'm thinking about you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, for the rest of you, I, I, I really trust me, reach out and not just to me, uh, anybody in your life. If you're sitting there saying, uh, oh man, I, I, I want to let them know, uh, but I just don't know what to say. Um, take a chance, reach out. And by the way, somebody asked me that the other day and just said, but I just don't know what to say. And I said, let me write a script for you. You don't need a pencil. Hi, this is X just wanted you to know I was thinking about you today. That's it. Like, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. You don't have to struggle to find the right words. Trust me, there are no right words. Just reach out. Let me know. Or whoever else in your life. That's great. And I feel like on that note, uh, you know, family and friends, of course, please reach out to Tom directly. Anybody else who's listening who would like to reach out to Tom or, or to us here on the show, uh, go ahead and just shoot us an email at... Um, hello at fcancer.com. And that's just hello at effcancer.com. Um, and Tom, I feel like on that note, uh, you know, I'm going to toss this back to you uh, to wrap us up. Yeah. Thanks everybody for being here today. This is absolutely um, a mission of love um, and, and what I'm calling my third act. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this. And remember, I love you. <laughs>